0: Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, Rachel Bailey, and I have a special guest today, Tyler Bray. Tyler is a very good friend of mine. He also has crazy accomplishments, Crazy things on his bio. I'm gonna read some of them. So, a Paralympic powerlifting that qualified for the world team in 2010 in Malaysia. Paralympic powerlifting, Parapan American Games in Guadalajara, Mexico in 2011. You are a black belt in jujitsu. That's a big deal. Um, you're the first para athlete to compete on the fight to win stage. You won your IFBB Pro Card in 2018, part of the first ever wheelchair division on the Olympia stage. You actually competed on the Arnold stage and you met Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you're going to your third Olympia a month from now. So welcome, Tyler. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) So Tyler, of all of the accomplishments, which one are you most proud of?
1: That'd be the black belt because that one took the longest and took the most amount of individual creativity. I wasn't able to copy anybody. I wasn't able to follow any kind of blueprint. I just, I had to go off my own stubbornness and creativity.
0: Yeah. And for those, my listeners don't actually know you that well necessarily unless they follow you on social media. But you um, were born with spina bifida. And can you explain a little bit to my listeners about what does that mean and how does that personally impact you?
1: Yeah. So I was born in 1989 with spina bifida. So uh, with that, to put it into like really easy to digest terms, uh, I've been in a wheelchair my whole life. Uh, I have my quads. So like exercise wise, I could do a leg press. I could do a leg extension. I could walk with crutches. So um, my legs aren't, you know, totally dead from the hips down. I have some activation in my legs, but that's about it. And then I have mostly full core activation, not 100%, but I have pretty good core activation. And then um, above the core, I'm totally normal.
0: Now, do you know, like, how old were you when your mom realized, oh, there's something something different?
1: Oh, no, that was from birth because the doctors knew a couple months before I was going to be born. Oh, if, they uh,
0: Okay, yeah. so they knew from birth, and then you had to have multiple surgeries at early childhood.
1: Yeah, I'd have to ask my mom the exact number, but the day I was born, I had to have a surgery because spina bifida, you, uh, you're born with a hole in your spine, and I think there's three or four different types of spina bifida, and all of them involve some kind of hole in your spine from the moment you're born, so that had to be patched up, of course, and then um, over the next three years, I had a bunch of different uh, surgeries on my legs. I know one of them was... Because my, my feet were slowly rotating inward over time. And so the more years you let that go by, the more my legs are going to get messed up and turned inward. So I did a surgery to correct that. And then I had a kind of a monumental surgery done for that time 31 years ago. Uh, my adductors and abductors, which are the mus- muscles responsible for your knees coming in or knees going out. Uh, a doctor was flown in from Australia or something like that to switch those on me. So my adductors and abductors were switched sides on my legs. That's the uh, surgery that this incredible doctor from another country flew in to do because no other doctor knew how to do it. And uh, because because he did this, my legs were not locked up as I got older. I, I can move my legs freely. I don't have any cramping problems. Um, I haven't, haven't had any significant leg issues beyond those surgeries and it was one of the main reasons is because of this really monumental surgery for 31 years ago
0: that's crazy i have so many questions for that doctor like how did he figure this out and what was the intention just to give you more flexibility and strength
1: my very loose understanding i'll probably mess it up but um my very loose understanding is my legs would be cramping more and more over time like uh my hamstrings would always be tight. I wouldn't be able to fully extend my legs and I'd have different issues with like tightness over years if I wouldn't have had that surgery. Um, maybe that also would have contributed to my legs turning inward more and more. So um, one of the, that's one of the main reasons I had to have that surgery done when I was within my first three years of life.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, Tyler, one of the main reasons why I really was excited to have you here, number one, because you're a really close friend of mine. You've been a close friend of mine for, gosh, probably seven years at least. Um, And we've just gotten to know each other. You've been hugely influential in my life. And I think people really look to you as being extremely inspiring. Um, I know you've been inspiring in my life, but it's been more than that. You've actually motivated me to do more with my life and to believe in myself more. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is because really my podcast is to help people believe in themselves at the next level, to believe that they can overcome anything, accomplish anything. Um, And so anyways, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'd like to ask you, You know, what would you say to people who are struggling to believe in themselves?
1: Uh, That's where, you know, the best answers I can give are kind of a a case by case scenario. But of course, since we're on a podcast and, you know, it's kind of um, speaking in general here, I mean, first thing I would think is, well, why can't you? What is your exact situation? It's whatever you're dealing with. I'm sure it's extremely hard, but you're thinking it's impossible. And very, very, very few things are actually impossible, literally impossible, It's impossible for for me to fly. I can't grow wings and fly. But, you know, is it possible for me in a wheelchair to reach something that's on the top shelf? Yeah, I can grab a long stick and I can nudge the cup off off the side of the shelf and catch it, right? Like that's just an analogy off the top of my head. So whatever you're thinking about, it can be done. You just have to be creative. You have to be persistent. You have to be okay with failing over and over and over until you figure it out. But it really just depends on your stubbornness right it really depends on you being stubborn enough to fail over and over and over until you figure it out but if you're in a you know a victim mindset you just, you don't you're not even trying so that's i guess that would be my response to that is you know are you really stuck can you really not figure this out is it really impossible or have you just not figured it out yet you haven't failed enough times to figure it out yet
0: Oh, I love that perspective. And really, what I'm hearing you say is you're solution oriented. And that is exactly how I know you. You're like, as, anytime I come to you with any kind of complaint or any kind of venting, you're just like, so what's, so what's the solution? And figure it out. I figure it out. Yeah, I know. I love it. You're so practical. Um, you're also, as we've learned from reading your bio, you're very i don't know what the word is just physical, physically active you've got all these accomplishments uh around kind of your physiology um and your kinesthetic ability and so I kind of wanted to know when did you first realize that you had a passion for <coughs> athletics
1: um that you know I just read something today that. You know, you don't pick your passions, your passions pick you. And a lot of people, they're trying to force certain passions on themselves and it's not working and it's because they're they're trying to be something they're not. And I don't know, I think Steve Jobs or somebody like Elon Musk, something like that, somebody said, you know, your passions pick you, so go with it. And when I was young, I just fell in love with physical stuff real early and I had a natural love of it. So like my first two things that made me fall in love with, I don't know, physicality in one way or another One of them was just wrestling around with your husband, Alex. We would, you know, just wrestle around. We were five years old in the living room because we would watch WWF wrestling, and I wanted to climb up on a table and jump onto Alex. So that's what I did, you know? So we would wrestle every time he came over, and so, and we just, we loved it. So that eventually led to when I got to middle school, my stepdad said, Hey, you should try out for the wrestling team. And in my head, I had no doubt I could do it because I was wrestling in the living room all the time with, with Alex. So I knew, okay, I can do this. I don't know what I'm doing on a technical level yet, but am I physically capable, capable of it? Yeah. Cause like I'm monkeying around with people all the time in the living room. And then the other thing that the other time that, or the other thing that kind of got me going physically was when I was in elementary school, uh, we would do pushups every day in PE and the teacher would get us going and we kind of go on the teacher's count and, uh, we would go until everybody dropped well, as we got going, I would notice everybody else in the room dropping before me. So I want to win. So I would just show off a little and I would purposely go until everybody else dropped but me just so I could have that little bit of like pride, you know, a little bit of like ego stroke, you know. And um, so after I did that a couple of times, I'm like that feels good to be the only one in class that's like beating everybody on these push ups. So I asked the teacher one day, hey, what's the school push up record? And they said, oh, it's like 20. I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna beat that and I'll be part of the school history, you know. And when you're like seven, that sounds like such a big thing, right? So I did like 30, and then some other kid heard that I did it. He did 40, so then my, you know, competitive spirit got all roused up. So then I did like 60, he did like 80, and we kept one-upping each other. It went all the way till he did like 90 or 100. And this is like another weird 10-year-old like me, so I don't know who this other kid was, but he was as weird as me. And so then I had it in my head to do 110. So I got to the 110th rep. So I knew I beat him. I had the record, but in my head, I'm like, I don't want this kid to come back and do 111. And I have a little more left in the tank. So I'm going to go until I just pass out. So I got another 10. I got to 120 and then hit absolute exhaustion, fell over, couldn't move. (laughs) But so I was unbelievably sore for a week. I couldn't move for a week. I was like 10 too, you know, so like my diet wasn't good or anything. And I went and found the kid on the playground a few days later. I'm like, hey, I did 120. Are you going to you gonna beat it? He, no, I'm not going to touch it. And I'm like, ha, <laughs> I win. So.
0: I love it. I, we're getting to know young Tyler. I'm, you're still kind of like that. Yes, though. I am. Yeah, you're still, <laughs> you haven't changed a bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love it. Yeah, just that competitive nature and like the, yes, I absolutely can. Let me prove it to myself and everyone else, too. Um, I love it. So one of the things that, you know, we've talked about briefly before starting the show is your interest in wrestling was kind of the thing that started it all for you um as far as that very impressive bio that I read at the beginning so a couple questions are coming up for me so the first one is um you talked about how you you knew right away like I can do this I love it I love kind of like Um, WWE, yeah, please tell me I'm saying that right. That would be really embarrassing, okay? Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um, you know, like you're looking up to The Rock and all these cool guys, and you're like, okay, I can do this, I'm gonna go into high school wrestling. When you got into high school wrestling, or you started in middle school, I'm gonna correct myself, you Mm -hmm. started in middle school. Did you ever feel like there were people who didn't believe in you at that time of like, okay, you are the kid in the wheelchair. You are the kid with spina bifida. Now you're going into this sport. Did you have any naysayers at at that young age?
1: Nobody was saying it to my face, you know, but I knew nobody, I knew just about nobody believed in me, but I went into it already knowing that's part of the deal. I went into that already knowing that of course, no one's going to believe in me until I give them a reason to that felt like common sense to me. Yeah. So it wasn't even like, it wasn't a hurdle in my head. It wasn't a, an issue in my head. It's like, it'd be weird if they did believe in me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of went into it expecting that and not worrying about it at all. It's like, they'll believe in me when, when I figure it out. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my attitude going in is I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out how to, how do I bring my standing opponent down to my level, get my takedown then flip him over and pin him. How do I learn and and think conceptually? Because I won't be able to do a takedown the same way coach is teaching it, but I can conceptually control your legs, your hips, your shoulders, your head in a different way and bring it to the ground, which is a takedown, right? Just differently than coach is showing it. But either way, if I get you to the ground and put you on your back in my own way, I still won. So once I figure out how to wrestle effectively, then everybody will believe in me because I won the match. So my brain was always like solution-focused. Like, I'll give you a reason to believe in me. I'm not going to expect you to believe in me before I've given you a reason to.
0: You know, that's pretty powerful. So I'm hearing a couple things. Number one, what I'm hearing, Tyler, is that you've never spoken a negative word to yourself. You never say the words, I can't. That's the first thing I heard. And the second thing I heard was, you literally do not listen to other people who say you can't. Like, it just doesn't, does it not even enter your consciousness? Are you not even aware? Or you're just like, I don't care. I'm going to prove it.
1: You, 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 how does anybody know what you are capable of? I mean, you know what you're capable of and God knows what you're capable of. Nobody else on this planet knows what you're capable of.
0: Yeah, dang. Okay, very, very awesome. Okay, so you got into wrestling. Did you ever feel like your like your coaches believed in you? Your mom? Like, tell me more about some of the people who were kind of more verbal about you. You, you wanted to prove yourself. Tell me where your coaches were at and what was coming up with your mom.
1: They started to over time. I'd say um, as I started winning more, people started believing more. And, of course, when I was new and I hadn't proved anything yet, everybody like, well, let's just let them do it, and whatever happens, happens. Nobody was directly coming up to me and saying, you can't do this, and making fun of me or anything. But um, I'm sure in the back of their head they were doubting, and I slowly started taking the doubt out of their head as I started winning more and slowly figuring it out. Uh, the only um, little issues popped up here and there, just one of them was going from middle school into high school, so... Um, transitioning from eighth grade to my freshman year of high school, my mom was really concerned because that's going from middle school kids to high school kids. So like, you know, puberty and just more muscle is coming in there and they're getting bigger and they're becoming a man. And so, hey, they they hit harder in high school. You know, they take it more seriously in high school because scholarships are on the line. So she was more concerned about me getting hurt. And in my head, I was like, no, I I can definitely do this. I'm fine. And so, like, that was, you know, a big issue that I had to convince my mom to, you know, let me do this. But eventually I did. So she let me go into high school wrestling. And then same kind of thing. She started – she never, like, didn't believe in me, but she was just uneasy about it. She started getting more, you know, comfortable with it. And everyone around me, including my coaches, started believing in me more the more I won. And I could see that, like, especially in my coaches and stuff – Where I'd win a big match and they'd come up to me and I don't want to say they were like surprised, but I don't know, the way they'd compliment me after matches, I could feel their belief in me growing as I would win more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that, you know, even, and this is, I know you, I know this to be true about you, Tyler, is that when people do have doubts and it doesn't even need to be directed towards you necessarily, even if they're directing it inward at themselves, You're always just like, hey, let's just prove that doubt wrong (laughs) and figure out a way to make it happen. (coughs) And you've actually done that for me in my life. I don't know if I've actually ever told you this directly, but there were times when like when I was going to train for a fitness show and I was like, I don't know if I can do this, Tyler, like you don't know my body type, like you don't know my genetics, you don't know my DNA, like you don't know how hard this is going to be for me and you didn't really even buy into any of that. Do you remember what your response was to me or like your response to anybody who's saying those types of things to themselves? Like, what would you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, what that makes me think of is like what I was saying a few minutes ago that like very few things are actually impossible, you know, very few things are now That like, are you asking, is it impossible versus it being very hard? And I think a lot of people look at things that are very hard and they want to label it impossible. Like that's not impossible. It's just very, very hard. Getting a doctorate degree is that possible for just about anybody? Yeah, but you got to be willing to write a couple hundred page papers. Is that very, very, very hard? Yes, of course. But it's not something you can't do. It's just are you willing to go that far? You willing to push yourself that hard? And that's a decision that everybody needs to make, you know, individually. But um, I guess that's where my brain goes: is don't you know don't label something impossible. If it's just actually really, really hard, you know, keep those as two separate categories. And there's very, very, very few things that are actually impossible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like listeners who have heard my <clears throat> previous episodes will know that I actually don't use the word hard, but I know what you're meaning, Tyler, what you're meaning. And that I want to clarify is commitment. How committed do you have to be to the goal and how dedicated do you have to be versus you know, I can have six cheat meals a week and still get results. (laughs) Or am I going to be committed to one cheat meal a week and get optimal results? And so, yeah. So just tell me more about like, what is the level of commitment or dedication required to do some of the things on your bio list that you've accomplished?
1: I would say that's the same in everything. I mean, what is the dedication level it takes to become an Olympic gold medalist? It's the exact same that it takes to become the CEO of Google. Yeah, it's the same mentality. Just are you applying that level of crazy dedication to your you know your diet and your workouts and your practices of your sport? or is it in the business room doing paperwork and closing deals and whatever in the business world but it's the same person it's that same you know crazy dedicated obsessed with um you know accomplishing the goal person it's just do you know how to direct it toward your goal and so really the only question is it's not again like what I was saying before it's not impossible for you to do anything it's just are you committed enough to do that if you want a doctorate degree you have to be willing to write a hundred page paper there's no way around it so it's yes or no are you that dedicated
0: yeah That's really good. That's a super great point. And we've had these conversations, too, where I've come to you with a goal. And I'm like, this is my goal. And you're like, well, this is the amount of commitment and dedication it's going to take. So are you in or out? You know, it's very clear cut. You're very practical. It's black and white. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, So one of the things that I'm going to try to be as diplomatic as I can, and I really think this will be great information for people to have, and I know people are curious about this. So, with, if you are, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot to like, okay, let's take a blanket statement for everybody that's in a wheelchair, or everybody that has spina bifida, or everybody that's handicapped. Yet, I would like, like to ask you, Tyler, would you prefer that people acknowledge... Your differences, acknowledge that you're special, acknowledge that you have this handicap, or not?
1: That, I guess, depends on context, and every handicapped person is going to have a different perspective on that. You know, so for me, um, that's just my brain goes to, I'm, I'm very easygoing. It depends on, you know, what context we're talking about, but um, if you're going to open a door for me or something, like, okay, thank you. You know, I'm not easily offended. I'm very, like, easygoing. And when it comes to uh, if you're kind of uneasy around me because you you haven't been around handicapped people, you're not sure if you can ask me what happened, why are you in a chair? You can ask me because I'm just not easily offended. You know, I'm very easygoing. And I view it as um, it's my responsibility to also help you be comfortable. I don't expect you to uh, automatically feel comfortable around me or automatically believe in me because I'm handicapped or whatever. I view it as my responsibility to give you a reason to feel comfortable around me and a reason to believe in me.
0: I love that. give give them a reason to believe in me. That's really awesome. Okay, so next question again, you're answering this personally, so I understand that. Um, so let's say we go up to a movie theater right? This is the my first interaction with you. I was like, do I hold the door for him? Do I open the door? Do I not? Like, is it offensive if I open the door? Um, <laughs> so I just want to have like a real honest conversation with you and say, do you want people to open the door for you? Do you not? Or do you not care? And what comes what goes on in your mind when people try to be overly polite?
1: No, for my mind, I don't care at all because I'm not easily offended. For me, I don't care at all. You open the door for me, fine. I might race ahead of you and open the door for you. It's just something I don't even really think about. So whichever way it happens, it happens. But um, I don't even... It's not even really a thought in my head. But a different handicapped person might have a totally different opinion than me.
0: Yeah. So what would you say to people who are concerned with like, oh, how is this... Per- you know, how how to interact? How is this person going to perceive me being polite or going the extra mile for them? Are they going to be offended? Are they going to be um, grateful? What would you say to the person who's a little bit walking on eggshells?
1: You can't ever play that game because if you open a door for me, I could say, thank you, kind sir. You opened the door for me and that's nice of you. Or I could say, how dare you? You just made me feel like I'm a weak little handicapped guy who can't open the door by himself and you offended me. That's my choice which way I want to view you opening the door and you have no say in that i mean i guess you could technically go and ask every time every you know every time you walk up to a door with a handicapped person next to you you could turn and would you like me to open the door for you i guess that's the safest bet you can go with and and get a direct answer from them but um you know but to me it's just go with whatever you feel is right hopefully the person will be appreciative but if they're not then that's just part of being human is we're not always going to agree on everything
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love having this open and honest conversation with you because that is the thing that I think empowers people is to say, I can't control the outcome. I cannot control how someone else is going to think. I cannot control how someone else is going to respond. I can't even control how they're going to perceive my intentions. All I have is my own intention and that's all I need to worry about. So that's what I heard from you is like, Just do what feels right in the moment and don't worry about it. Yeah. So, pet peeves. Everything. (laughs) So, what specifically is your pet peeve as a handy-capable person? Pet peeves as a handy-capable person. (laughs) You can't see Tyler, but he's laughing at me.
1: That word (laughs) (laughs) handy-capable. (laughs) Ah! Oh! Oh <laughs> the word handy capable, <laughs> because pet peeve, number one. <laughs> pet peeve number one using the word handy capable. It's like eh. my brain <laughs> my brain goes to if someone says uh, handy capable, I'd rather say like nah, I'm handicapped, and I still just tapped you out in jujitsu, or <laughs> I still just out bench pressed you. <laughs> I'll, I'll own the word handicapped because like I'm handicapped, and yeah, I'm a, I can you know bench press. 200 more pounds than you. (laughs)
0: Snap. I just got told. (laughs) A hundred different Um, ways. Okay, what else? What other pet peeves? um,
1: In the handicap realm, I don't have a lot of them, really, because, uh, like, directly related to the handicap topic, because I'm very easygoing. I've seen other handicapped people that they will be offended if you open the door for them. They will be offended if you help them carry their groceries to their car or whatever, because they feel like you're unintentionally being condescending i know that you are you have a good heart and you're actually trying to help me so i'm because i'm I'm a heart person i see your heart i don't really care that you're that you're helping me i don't see it as condescending so just that's the way i view it so i don't have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to the handicap realm
0: this is true and i have heard you complain about stuff going down at the gym
1: mm-hmm <laughs>
0: Do you know what I'm talking about? Which ones, though? <laughs> well, like, when you're at the gym and you're just, like, minding your own business. Well, I feel like, number one, I see. don't bug you because you're a gym rat. And, like, that is not the thing to do is to bother people when they're doing their workout. But for you, it's that next level of other people coming up to you to say things to you while you're working out. And so, yeah, tell us about that.
1: Uh, I mean, so I kind of, I guess two different things I can go into with that is just the general one, most, you know, professional bodybuilders like, Hey, I'm at work right now when I'm working out, I'm at work right now. So not a good time to talk to me. It's the same thing as me showing up to your, you know, your office when you're in the middle of all the paperwork and Hey, let's have a conversation. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm on the clock. <laughs> so when a bodybuilder is working out, they're on the clock. So talk to them after and not in between sets, talk to them after the workout, because in between their sets, they're still in a different world mentally. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so like just that's the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were sharing a story about giving on the lap pull down machine. Oh, that was the other yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, the other one though, I, I just find this more comical. I'm not actually angry about any of these things when they happen. They're just comical to me. Is um, how people will unintentionally say things that could be interpreted as condescending. I don't take them condescending. I take them kind of comical. But anyways, um. I will open a door and walk into the gym and someone will freak out like, wow, you opened that door all by yourself. And that's exactly what they'll say to me. That's probably happened to me five, six, seven times in my life where I'll open a door and walk into the gym and someone says, wow, you opened the door all by yourself. And I'm thinking in my head, yeah, I'm 31. You're, you're like clapping for me like I'm a two-year-old because I opened the door by myself. So you know, and they mean it with a good heart, though, and that's why I'm not mad at them because I know they mean that with a good heart. They don't realize it could come off condescending, and someone who is offended easier than I am could get mad at them for that. You know, I don't, but whatever. And then yeah, another one. I was coming into the gym, and I I, I went from my chair to the lat pull down. I did a warm up set. So for me, that takes me a, a half of a second to transfer from my chair to the lat pull down, put it on whatever weight, and do my warm up set. And this guy came over and he gave me this like three, four, five minute spiel of what an inspiration I am because I relocated my butt from one seat to another seat. <laughs> and, you know, just, wow, you just jumped onto that thing and you just got going. And that was, that was so inspiring. I can't believe it. And um, I just, I was really confused for the first few minutes what he was talking about. And then I finally like picked up on, oh, he's inspired just that I relocated my butt from my wheelchair to the lap pull down and then did a warm-up set without a whole bunch of help or anything. So he didn't realize that could have come off condescending. But, again, in my situation, I knew he had a good heart, so I wasn't mad about it. I just, you know, in my head, it's comical.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he just saw you do one warm-up set. Meanwhile, you've been to the Paralympics. You've been to the Arnold. You're going to the Olympia. You're a black belt. Like, this guy has no idea just how freaking BA you actually are. So that's why when you told me that story, I laughed because I'm like, this guy has no idea who he's dealing with. Inspiring, you are inspiring to me, but the inspiration that I see in you doesn't matter. Chair or no chair, that's not what makes you inspiring to me. What makes you inspiring in my eyes, Tyler, is the grit, the perseverance, and the commitment and the dedication that you have for your goals. That's. I would still feel that you're just as inspiring regardless of whether or not you're in a chair. It's the fact that you're doing what only 1% of the people on the planet believe that they can do. And that is to set massive goals, to work towards those goals every single day, and to be dedicated and committed to the process. And that's why I applaud you. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're in a wheelchair. Um. So... When you, question for you, do you like being an inspiration? Is that something that feels good to you? Does it feel slightly annoying to be an inspiration or you're neutral?
1: Somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm very focused on I want to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish in my life. And uh, my goal isn't necessarily to inspire as many people as possible. That's kind of um, a nice byproduct of me chasing the goals that I'm chasing. So I I view it as a good thing. I hope I do. Maybe I, you know, I help somebody get out of a dark place or something. That's fantastic. It's not my direct goal, but it's a nice kind of like extra credit that happens as I chase the goals that I'm focused on. But I have had a couple of like humbling moments, you know, where I've had a million, situations where, you know, I get onto a lap pull down and somebody comes over and says I'm inspiring. And so I laugh about those like little things. But one I can think of that really hit me hard was, um, I was at jitsu one day <clears throat> and this guy, uh, he came in, he did a jujitsu class with us. I had never met him before. And he came up to me after the class and said, Hey, my name is whatever. And, um, I just wanted to say like, I've been following you for a long time. I saw this magazine, this jujitsu magazine you were in like um, two or three years ago. And when I seen it, I was in a super dark, depressive place. I was in, I had testicular cancer. And I was going through this incredibly dark, depressive place dealing with that. And seeing your, your ad, you know, this no excuses thing with your picture in, in this magazine gave me the inspiration to fight through that dark place. And that really like took me back. I really like... As I drove home that day, I think I drove home in silence just thinking, whoa, that was heavy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I mean, what I hope that our listeners are hearing is that that could be you. Like, you never know your, how your story, how your message, how your accomplishments and drive are impacting those around you. And you never know, like, who's watching, who's touched by your story, Um And yeah, who's motivated to get up every day because of something that you don't even realize that you're impacting them. You're just living your life the best that you can and that's what makes an impact. So Tyler, I like to kind of have all of my guests um, share just a little bit about, you know, inspired action steps or I guess tips or tricks of the day. And one thing we didn't even actually talk about yet is um something that I think that you're really an expert in and is, and that is the body and the immune system so before we get to inspired action steps actually um tell me like what do you what is your take on the global pandemic and what should we be doing to defend ourselves and our body <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that that can go into all kinds of different conversations, but you know, I'm a personal trainer here in Roseville, so this is all I'm talking about with my clients all the time every day. Um, when it comes to this topic, in general, we don't go to the root of our problems uh, nearly enough in the world when it comes to the science of how the body reacts. We throw a drug at it or some kind of quick fix at it all the time. We never go to the root of the problem, and there's so many different things that I can rant in, uh, about when it comes to those, those type of topics. One of them is, "Hey, I'm tired at three o'clock every day." And what one of my clients they might say, "I'm tired at three o'clock every day, and I'm going to train with you at four. What pre-workout should I take?" I'm like, "Well, my question is what?" That's all of them. (laughs) That's you know most (laughs) of them. But uh, you know, what pre-workout should I take? And I'm like, "Well, my first question is why are you tired at three? You shouldn't be tired till ten. Something's going on with the deep scientific details of your diet. You're deficient in some things. Something's going on with your diet." and or your sleep quality and your sleep quality controls your hormones and then if your hormones are out of whack you can't build muscle or lose fat efficiently so something's going on with your diet and or your sleep and not that i'm anti-caffeine but the first thing you're going to is caffeine that's wrong you should be going to the root of the problem first you know so that's one of them another one i can rant about um Hey, I'm I'm uh, 47 years old, and I went in. You know, I'm I'm feeling kind of down, not not energetic, whatever. I went in and got a blood test, and my doctor says all my hormones are messed up. My testosterone is low, and I'm all beat up, and it's because I'm 47. So I got to get on testosterone replacement therapy, and I got to get all these different hormones and drugs. And like, no, you're probably just deficient in a million different things, and it's kind of like you're not taking care of your car very well. If you buy, if two people buy a car today. And in 15 years from now, one person cleaned their car every day, rotated the tires, changed the oil. Other person never did any of those things. Which one of them is going to have a better car in 10 to 15 years? So, you know, that we um, incorrectly blame age all the time. You know, you get that blood test at 45 years old, your your testosterone isn't low and all these different things because of the number, because you're 45. It's probably because you're deficient in... um, you need, you need more saturated fat in your diet. You probably have too much sugar going on with your diet. You probably aren't getting nearly enough sleep. Um, you probably don't have enough vitamin D. Everybody's deficient in that. I don't have enough zinc. There's so many different things that you're probably deficient in and doing incorrectly, which is causing the low testosterone or whatever else. So fix those things. Go do some sauna work. You know, fix a handful of these things. Poof, your testosterone will probably double. So the age is the wrong thing to blame, you know. And then when it comes to the immune system... Uh, the first thing we're talking about is, hey, let's let's go get the uh, the flu vaccine or whatever. Have you get the whatever? Have you got some kind of vaccine for everything? I'm like sometimes that's appropriate, yes. But the first thing we should be talking about is, are do you have everything in your body you need for your immune system to work correctly? <clears throat> your immune system won't be fully functioning for no reason. Mm. The same reason, like, w- would you be able to bench three hundred pounds for no reason? No, you can only bench 300 pounds if you come in and train bench weekly for years. And then you work up to that. It's it's an adaption, right? You taught your body to do it. You're not gonna be able to bench press 300 pounds for no reason. So you have to have intention behind it. So your immune system isn't going to be fully functioning for no reason. You have to be getting vitamin D, vitamin C, magnesium, zinc, all these different things that are directly responsible for a strong immune system. If you're deficient in those things, then that's why your immune system is weak. And you can get most, if not all of those things from food. And then the things that you know, you're not getting from food for whatever reason, then you can bring in the supplements. And then um, your sleep is a gigantic part of it too. So you got to be getting enough deep quality sleep plus don't be deficient in these key things that are responsible for your immune system and you're good to go. But don't expect your immune system to be fully firing if you're putting zero effort into Uh, optimizing it the same thing with that 47 year old who's low on his testosterone and whatever like well yeah if he's you know drinking beer every night and and driving through you know mcdonald's all the time he's putting zero effort into having healthy hormones so why would he have healthy hormones i mean you can't (laughs) can't put zero effort into something and expect it to be like all good if you put effort into it then then it will work if, you, if you're putting all the effort into it and it's still not working, you're taking all your vitamins, getting all your vitamins from food, getting great sleep, and the problem is still there, then you need some kind of doctor drug. Because something about your body is broken, right? You're doing everything right and it's still not working. That's proof of we need the vaccine or we need testosterone replacement therapy or you need some kind of whatever doctor drug. So there's a place for it, but it shouldn't be plan A. It should be plan B. And then the biggest example of this that I can think of, I have a personal friend in the jiu-jitsu community. His name is Javier Vasquez. You can look him up. He cured his cancer with diet. He did zero chemotherapy. He cured his cancer in less than 1 year. He had a tumor and he made the tumor disappear 100% with diet. Well, so tell me that diet doesn't, you know, solve everything. Tell me that diet isn't the root of all your problems, you know? That proves it right there. Diet really is the root and sleep really is the root of everything going on with you and outside of those couple of cases where you do need the doctor drugs but we go to the doctor drugs first and then that's my pet peeve you know that's what irritates me we should be going to your sleep and your diet and all those kinds of things first
0: yeah okay so here's what's coming up for me I know people are wondering this um, especially you just mentioned about like curing cancer and just taking the best absolute care of your body and What are like the top three, I know you mentioned some in passing, but what are the top three supplements that you would recommend for across the board, everybody, male, female, all ages, all health, like what are the top three everybody got to have?
1: D3 and magnesium because those are really hard to get from your diet. I mean, uh, there's some things, some foods that have magnesium in it, but you're probably not going to get enough of those particular foods in a day. So magnesium, D3, you get from the sun but you know unless you're a construction worker and you're out there all the time how many of us are out in the sun all the time so you got to get d3 and then my third would be fish oil because well who's going to eat fish all the time every day very few people so get in that fish oil every single day and then that's your brain health your heart health inflammation fighting so many different things so those three pills are responsible or those three vitamins i should say are responsible for so many different things but again the more things you're deficient in now we're talking across the board the more things you're deficient in, the more your body won't work correctly because you're not giving it all the attention it needs. You have to be eating and sleeping and living with intention if you want your car, your body, to work correctly.
0: Yeah, I love it. Okay, so magnesium, vitamin D, and fish oil. Check, check, check. Okay, so Tyler, what are the last two like inspired action steps that you liked, or just tips, advice that you would like to leave our listeners with today?
1: Uh, so, I mean, one that basically I just mentioned is live with intention, you know, just live with intention with everything you do. You're not going to accidentally have something. I mean, yeah, maybe one person listening to this will, you know, win the lotto by chance, you know, but other than that, you're not going to have anything you didn't intentionally go after. So you want to be healthier. You want to have more energy. Well, what things are associated with that? What vitamins and sleep habits are associated with that? You know, um, you want more money. Well, how disciplined are you with your finances? How good is your job? Should you be leveling up in your job, going for that promotion? Should you be getting a different job because you're kind of at a dead end with your job? I mean, you're not going to accidentally have anything that you're not intentionally sinking. You know, you have to really intentionally go after whatever you want. And then the other thing I would say is <clears throat> don't, don't assume your limits. Be okay with failure. Don't assume that you know what your limits are just because, well, nobody else has done this, so I doubt I'm the guy who can. What if Benjamin Franklin and all these guys went with that? You know, we wouldn't have all the technology we have today if we went with that mentality. Be okay with failing in your attempt to find out how far you can go, how far your limits can be pushed physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Push your limits and find out where your failure point is because it's probably a lot farther than you think it is.
0: I love that. Okay, great advice. So supplements to take care of our immune system. Always live with an intention and goal and find out your limits for yourself. Don't assume your limitations. Great. Thank you so much, Tyler, for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you're very busy and you're in demand, and I just really appreciate you spending the time on the podcast for li- the listeners Um, where can we like where can people follow you or find you or get in touch with you just either to follow your journey because you're going to the olympia again or if they want to find out more about your personal training where can they get in touch with you
1: mostly on instagram i'm at black belt bodybuilding cripple or just type in my name or if not on there then on facebook just type in my name tyler bray
0: cool all right thanks tyler we'll see you soon thanks everybody bye Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach In Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at CoachRachelBailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.